Let's Talk Native is produced at the Eltian Studios on the Cataraugus territory of the Seneca Nation. We break all the rules for native media by peeling back the layers of assimilation and indoctrination. We may step on a few toes through our examination of culture, art, politics, history, and identity. But the real goal here is to bring our people together by breaking down what separates us. So, welcome to Let's Talk Native with John Kane. So you go and welcome to Let's Talk Native. I'm John Kane. I'm your host. And today I want to talk about sovereignty and where it's vested, but probably not in exactly the same way I've done it before. Um, part of the reason I wanted to do this show is that um, I, I, I had some um, rulings, some court rulings that uh, somebody had provided to me I was reading through. And among the rulings was a, a case where a native company um, was in, in a legal dispute anyway. And, it, and the long and the short of it is, is a judge was making a ruling of whether that native company could, some, uh, could be protected by, quote-unquote, tribal sovereignty. And it, the inference was whether the nation had extended its sovereignty to the company. And the problem with that is that is completely backwards from a native uh, perspective. So part of what I've got to do here is I've, I've got to talk a little bit about governmental systems where sovereignty is vested in them in a monarchy for instance the, the the monarch the king the queen whatever they are the the sovereign i mean and that is where sovereignty is vested in that system and and of course it's based on one of the biggest lies ever told that somehow these royal families were bestowed this power by god himself or the church <laughs> so that's where sovereignty is vested in a monarchy in a democracy the one of the things that 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 uh, where a democracy is different than a republic in a democracy the sovereignty is still um vested in in the mass in in, in the people and mass so to speak so it's the will of the people that that is supposed to be where sovereignty is vested but not in the individual that's the difference with a republic in a republic the sovereignty is vested with the individual and so when a government asserts sovereignty, it is given that authority by the people. So it's, it's all a little bit different. Now, the dip, biggest difference with, with, with most native governments, and, and I don't want to necessarily call them flat-out anarchists, but there's, there's a version of what I would call or <laughs> what we're going to call indigenous anarchy where – the what makes it um, somewhat of, of uh, anarchist, I guess, is the lack of hierarchy. And you know, because there's a lot of different, I've heard people define anarchy different ways. And 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 we're we're not talking about chaos here. We're talking about a lack of of hierarchy. And that could not be more clear from a Haudenosaunee standpoint. That part of our system was based on a full acknowledgement of that lack of hierarchy. Chiefs, Rodionesu, they don't have authority. The only authority that they, they can display 
is what the is what people give them and and it's not like a transference of of sovereignty from the people to a chief or to a clan mother or to a it, it's it's none of that they are they are really the voices of the people they help gather the minds of the people kind of but they aren't the leaders in the way that any place else would 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 define that and of course if if you look at anarchy from a you know, Jake and I were talking before the show from a libertarian standpoint, or from even a European model. A lot of times, anarchy is is reactionary. It's it's like a rebellion against power, and and it's about individuals trying to seize power unto themselves, almost like I am, I am a king. We all are kings, kind of thing. And that's different than than what um, the the native perspective. The native perspective is all about a lack of hierarchy, and and it's more organic. So, so having said that, listening to a judge make a ruling based on this notion that, um, well, we can't acknowledge that you are protected by your quote unquote tribal sovereignty unless your tribe, unless your nation, you know, has extended that sovereignty to you. That's problematic. And, and, and it's, and it's, and it's frankly wrong. It, it is literally a judge trying to judge native people through his own lens which which simply doesn't work you know and and of course it gets it does get confusing because our own people fall into that trap tribal councils you know frankly traditional and elected councils they get caught into this whole idea that they are the authority i've listened to 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 men who claim to be chiefs saying i'm the only one with this authority based on what I mean, certainly not based on the the Guyana or Goa, and, and look, and I'm not trying to speak for all Native people. I'm most of what I'm talking about is is from a from a Haudenosaunee uh, perspective. But I know a lot of what when when I have had these conversations with other Ungwe from other territories, when we cut through all of the whole hereditary chief, you know, some of these this language that gets associated with Native people, they say, "Well, that, that's true. We're not really like that either." So, I mean, I, I, I got to come back to, the, to this notion that our system is different. Our systems have, have always been different. And, and that's why, you know, when we, people talk about, even today, when we talk about things like public finance and that kind of stuff, we don't, have, we don't tax our people. There is no government authority to impose, you know, we don't really have laws in our territory. Yeah, well, there's resolutions that come from quote unquote tribal councils, but we don't have this whole book of, 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 you know, statutes and penal codes and all that other stuff. You know, unfortunately too many places default completely to, you know, to state law or, or, or federal law. And that, that causes confusion. We also, you know, when we talk about whether the nation has extended its sovereignty to, to an individual, the part that's crazy about that is, Many of these "quote unquote" federally recognized tribes, they're getting more of their authority from the federal government through this recognition and acknowledgement process than they are through their own people and through their own whether they have a written constitution or you know or or operate through some sort of you know traditional based constitution like the Guyana or Goa. And then and so we depart from that stuff and we keep defaulting to the authority that the federal government is granted. I mean, look, there are some territories where the federal government has determined leadership, especially when there was like a conflict. We saw this in Oneida. We saw, we're, we've seen it play out in Cayuga. 
And we play into that. We start, you know, participating in this contest in front of the Interior Department or the Bureau of Indian Affairs to determine who the lead, to see who can win the contest. Rather than us really taking it upon ourselves and, and solving the problem internally. And I look, I understand the conflicts with that and, and the difficulties in some of that. See, we, we get caught into this whole thing. So then we so then we have these governments that because the federal government is going to grant certain authorities to these governments, we start to believe that these governments have authority over us, even if our traditional system or our written constitutions say, no, you don't. I mean, one of the things that, I, that was kind of interesting about the Seneca Nation is their constitution is only a few pages long. I mean, I got one of these little handbooks somewhere around here with the Seneca Constitution. And even in a... In a in a four-inch handbook, the thing is only, you know, a couple, you know, a couple of dozen pages long. I mean, so you only got like a paragraph or two written on, on each page. So it's they're not complicated. And there is not a whole lot of transferences of authority. There's responsibilities that are laid out there for counsel and, you know, various positions that are, that are in there. But it's also rife with all kinds of stuff like state law and religion and all kinds of other stuff that, you know, there's no call for that even being in there. So, the, so there's lots of confusion. You know, we, we have, we, we find many of our territories believe that if they act like the state government or if they act like the federal government, that somehow they will be acting more like a sovereign. And so they do things like stamping cigarettes or granting licenses or, you know, or, or putting these other regulatory systems in place that we could argue whether they even have the authority to do that. And we're going to see this some of the stuff play out here with this whole marijuana thing now. New York State just passed a legalized um, recreational marijuana, and they're going to have all kinds of strict regulations. The question is, does the state's strict regulations on marijuana, does it really apply on native territory? We sure as hell don't let the, their tobacco regs apply to us here. So this is going to get confusing. And, and again, the authority... Not just responsibility, but the authority of nation government. So whether you're talking about Seneca Nation or, or anyplace else, this is going to be a, a complex issue. And we know how the courts are going to rule. The courts are going to treat the Seneca Nation or any nation just like they view their own governments. Hierarchical, where the power is vested. They aren't going to make that distinction and understand, okay, I see Native people's sovereignty is vested with the individual. So... The nation can only wield authority if the people explicitly, not implicitly, but explicitly give them that authority. See, this is this is what's very difficult. And, of course, then when we start talking about things like, like businesses, well, if you have a business on a native territory, how is that business structured or, or incorporated? Is it, a, is it, a, um, is it just a, a DBA, which is essentially doing business as? Many native territories or many, many native businesses in at least – in uh, the territories that are affected by New York State, we are almost forced to be um, DBAs, again, doing business as, because there you're just an individual who is conducting business as such and such, as a, as a given name. And the reason for that is because we don't have corporate charters on our territories. Most of us don't. And if we, if we incorporate as a state corporation or even as a corporation say like a delaware corp or whatever you know somebody there there's some states that the corporation incorporation laws are easy so 
that's what where where many companies will find well which state has the, has the most lax uh, corporation laws well if we do that then we're no longer the individual where that sovereignty again is vested so uh, you know i think back here many the new york state would view a corporation as taxable even if they know that we as individuals are not so there's this there is this give and take and there's this risk involved in how you set up your business as a native person. So most of the time we have to basically just do business, you know, be an individual doing business as a, as a name we made up. So that name of the company isn't really a company or in, in the, in the, in the corporation sense of the word, it's just you doing business as that company. And so, and when I'm, I'm saying all this because there's a logic to why business is done the way it's done. Because once we become a a corporation, and I, you know, and there's some workarounds there. Many um, native territories started using Sac and Fox incorporation laws um, because while New York State or some of these states could not stop a Sac and Fox corporation from operating in within quote within the state they didn't have the jurisdiction over it and see that's where a lot of this stuff, a lot of this comes back to is, is things like jurisdictional issues so which kind of is a long way of getting back to where the conversation started where, where a judge is you know in a state court or in a federal court is making a determination about how business is conducted on a territory whether the sovereignty that is or isn't quite uh, fully acknowledged by the courts, whether that sovereignty in whatever limited capacity they can acknowledge it extends down to, um, to an operating business. It's, it's, it's confusing, but I wanted to at least have the conversation because when I start seeing rulings like, and, and this is recent ruling, it concerns me because we have to do a better job. And, and look, I, I have to fault many of the nations, the, the, the tribal councils or the traditional councils, because they just add to the confusion. There is no reason in the world why a nation can't say, look, you don't understand. Our system is different. For us, we aren't the ultimate sovereign as, a, as, a, as an elected council or, or a traditional council. That's not the way our system works. Our system is, works on a basis of... of, of of avoiding the 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 power dynamic associated with hierarchies, and if the so-called leadership or the the federally recognized uh, leaders of a territory would come out and say that, I mean, I, look, we also know that because of the way elections take place on native territories, we aren't we don't vote much. And, and of course, I, I don't vote at all, but and I don't advocate voting because the system is, is flawed. I mean, when I look at some of these native territories that have these these elections, sometimes you're, you're talking about hundreds of people that are determining the quote unquote federally recognized leadership, whether it's Canada, Canada or the U.S. side for thousands of people is being determined by by a handful because we don't trust the system. And. We know that if we don't participate in those in the the government as it is being prescribed in this manner, then we aren't legitimately giving that authority to those individuals. You know, but see, that's not the way the United States works. The United States, everything's a contest, right? Everything's about pay to play and everything else. So 
we get into this this struggle, and you know, oftentimes I refer to this as, as part of the identity struggle that we have, because who are we? Are we the people that we are? Are we still living in some manner as the people we always have been for thousands of years, or because of colonization, have we restructured our very identity to emulate the, our oppressors in the first place? Are we looking at our territories as this? hierarchy of power look i understand we can see hierarchies in in salaries or in affluence but do we have to associate the same kind of hierarchy with the with governing authority see and i i argue that we don't and i'm not saying this i'm not saying this to be disrespectful of of any given nation look one of the things that that most drew me and that i was most attracted to living and raising my family here in Seneca territory was the fact that the Seneca nation government wasn't omnipresent, that it didn't try to dictate, you know, every aspect of life. It was, you know, to me, it it operated for all of its flaws. (laughs) It still operated in a way that it it had certain administrative responsibilities. It wasn't the iron fisted ruler of the territory. And look, look, there were some debates. I mean, that went on about how much they could, you know, limit um, business, but but part of that part of that is e- even gets driven by the lack of education that our own people have about again what sovereignty means. I mean, look, I've I've, I've heard some people in in many native communities just say, "Oh yeah, those those dirty business, those greedy businessmen, they're just exploiting our sovereignty. They're using it just for themselves." And it's like you don't quite understand what the concept means. Then, yeah. I mean, as Native people, we do need to exploit our regulatory advantages. And when I say exploit, I don't mean ta- exploit it and take it away. I mean use it. Because if if you're viewing your sovereignty as something that, you know, and I've, I've heard the analogy, so well, we need to preserve our sovereignty. What does that mean? Put it in a jar, put a layer of wax on it, put it on a shelf, and never test it? No. To, to, to be sovereign is to use your sovereignty. And... I'm not saying that just a few people should be able to do it. And unfortunately what happens is even when there's animosity between the business community and the, and the governing authority, and then maybe the third party in this, in this love triangle are the people um, you end up, you end up creating a few business people because you're, you become so anti-business that you know you're not going to stop the ones that exist. So that door gets slammed shut. So now you only have a few people making a lot of money in a, in a given territory. I'm not saying that's, that's the way it is in every territory. But so rather than saying, look, everybody should have an opportunity to utilize the, the, the advantages that, that come with our sovereignty. It doesn't always play out that well. You you have the the nation governments that you know that that try to um, they they use it when it's convenient, but then they they bow down to the state or the federal government when it becomes uh, you know somewhat contested. So and that diminishes what we all view as sovereign. And look, a, a perfect example is why the hell does a Seneca Nation elected official? allow the federal government to to claim tax revenue from their income generated working for the nation and working for the nation as a part of the nation. You are a an individual who Seneca, 
You live on Seneca territory. You work for your Seneca Nation government, and you got to give a up twenty five percent of your salary to the federal government. See, and it wasn't always that way. But when the nation did that, the sovereignty becomes diminished only because the, of the presumption. Well, look, if the nation is paying, if all these nation officials are paying income tax, then everybody has to, even though there's really no grounds for that. I mean, look, I'm not talking about whether the IRS claims they, they have grounds. It's whether we've ever given them grounds. And, and on that fateful day that then a non-native controller for the Seneca Nation decided that they, he needed to start filing federal income tax back when people were barely making any money anyway. On that fateful day, it changed things. So this is the problem. I mean, you know, so where is the tail wagging the dog? And of course, when you get into gaming, that's where you start getting into this classic idea of the tail wagging the dog. Now be the success of a casino the revenue generated for it, and what you give up to get that revenue, whether it's paying off the state through some revenue sharing, you know, bullshit revenue sharing agreement, or whether it's giving up jurisdiction to, you know, to, you know, to policing in there, or whether it's, you know, uh, taxes being taken out of winnings, or, or whether it's using a New York state liquor license for the booze that you're, that you're selling inside a casino. I mean, look, the lines that get crossed get, get crazy. And that's the nation doing this stuff. So where does that leave the rest of us? So when I when I talk about the identity <laughs> you know, uh, conflicts that we have, complexes that we have, much of it goes back to some of some of these very things: not understanding the role that we play within our territory, the role that we play within our nations, the the role that we play as individuals, and the responsibility—not just the rights, but the responsibility. See, part of the whole issue always comes down to. Yes, it's fine to say that you uh, that you that you sovereignty is vested in the individual. Well, responsibility comes with that. Not just the opportunity to sell cigarettes. I mean, there there's a responsibility because we all should be cognizant whether it's the nation getting a New York State liquor license or you know or giving up certain waiving certain sovereign immunities or whether it's individuals who get involved in some things that uh, you know that could challenge the whole notion of sovereignty. Now, like I said, it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out with this with this legalization of marijuana. And look, I'm not discouraging it. I, I look, by all means, I think I think I think people should just do it. And I in just the same way that we we got involved in in the sale of tobacco. Because I think New York State would be hard-pressed to to come after anybody on Seneca territory or any of our native territories here uh, who is, is deciding to get into, even if it's, you know, the, you know, uh, uh, what do they, what do they call it? Uh, uh, parallel or um, uh, vertical integration. So you're growing, you're processing and you're selling. And there's, they're trying to stop big companies from doing that kind of stuff with this new, with this new law, I guess. Um, but why should state laws impact what happens here on native territory. I mean, let's face it, state laws haven't been, been particularly effective in spite of all the people they've locked up over, uh, over trying to prohibit marijuana use anyway. I mean, uh, it, and you know, even in federal law hasn't been very particularly useful. The, the biggest thing that they did is they, they have been effective at, at trying to, you know, at, at keeping this stuff 
kind of what I would call black market, I guess, by uh, prohibiting banking or insurances and that, and that kind of stuff. One, one of the biggest obstacles that even in states that have legalized marijuana for recreational use, there has been the challenge about the, the financial institutions and how much they could be utilized as a part of advancing these businesses. And we're always going to be wary of that. I'm not saying we don't use banks. Yes, we, we have credit card. We have merchant accounts for credit card processing and all any number of things. But we always have a bit of a, of, of a challenge with, uh, with how much we are integrated into, the, into uh, the rest of the banking commerce stream, so to speak. And so that's going to that's gonna be a challenge. But I think part of that challenge comes down to does the, do any of the nations, not just Seneca Nation, but do any of the nations have the authority to prohibit somebody from doing something? And if they claim they do, where did they get that authority? Because I'm not talking about getting it from the state. I'm not talking about getting it from the federal government. I'm saying where, in what context and in, and in what event, in what referendum, whatever you want to call it. I mean, I'm not, and I'm not a big fan of those either. But in, in what context can a nation government, a native government, claim that they have the authority to assert will over their people? Especially when you consider what our origins are. And where we come from in this lack of hierarchy. Now, we could we could debate even within the the system of the Guyana Ragoa that there would be you know meetings and the clans would meet and you know it would you you'd go back and forth across you know with the conversation and you would come to a consensus. But that's not the way things work. Even in many of the elections, even the referendum processes don't necessarily work that well. <laughs> Just, just ask the, the folks who still think Trump should be president. <laughs> so these these are the challenges, and and they are they are pretty vast. But I think we do have to understand at its core that we are a distinct people, and for a judge or an elected tribal counselor or a, tr- a so called traditional chief, whoever they are, if they are violating not just the the, the two row wampum. But if they are violating the Guyana Ragoa, if, if they are taking authority that they don't justly have, that's a problem. And it's been happening. And and granted, now if, if you no longer operate under Guyana Ragoa, and not very many places do, quite frankly, but even many of the the constitutional governments, not, not necessarily IRA, Indian Reorganization Act governments, but even like Seneca Nation with their constitution. There's nothing in that constitution that is I- intended to violate Guyana or Goa, but they create different responsibilities. And, but that's not the same thing as saying it, it grants, you know, any kind of exclusive or, uh, you know, general authority over other people. Almost every position that is laid out in the Seneca Nation constitution uh, comes with a responsibility, not with an authority. That's, you know, and that's what most people have, have lost sight of. We don't have hierarchies. And even many of these written constitutions, again, they talk about responsibility. Look, in the Guyana of Goa, there are positions that have responsibilities, but not authority. Clan mothers, uh, chiefs, for lack of better words. I mean, uh, I mean War chief. I mean, there there are different people. You know, faith keepers, sub chiefs, all these things that have now become incorporated in this in these concepts. They're all about responsibilities. None of them, none of them, 
are about authority. They're about how you gather the will of the people. Well, that is what gets complicated here because it's not just the, about gathering the will of the people, but again, I go back to what I said in the beginning. The sovereignty is what we're born with. It's a birthright. We all possess it. We all have that responsibility to carry ourselves. So anytime that we're going to let somebody else speak on our behalf, they have, it has to be very explicit what authority they've been given to speak on our behalf. And, and again, I'm talking about authority to speak, not authority to wield in terms of power. This is, this is one of the more complicated uh, you know, issues, but it really does come down to understanding that we are not monarchies. Chiefs are not monarchs. We're not democracies. You know, even with even with the constitution that the Senate Nation has, that's not constitutional authority. Most of that is constitutional responsibility, and there's a difference. At our, at its at our core, when we go back to who we are as a people, unwe unwe, Haudenosaunee. At our core, we reject the notion that any head is higher than the other, and that's that's something that we have to. Um, re-embrace and understand what that means in terms of how we conduct ourselves and how we organize. Look, there's anarchy is not the absence of organization, at least not in, in the sense that I'm talking about indigenous anarchy. It's about the lack of hierarchy. It is not the lack of responsibility. It's just the lack of hierarchy. So anyway, that's, uh, I wanted to cover this year and, and uh, look, I'll, I'll get more into some of the details of some of these cases as, um, as I go through them. But I wanted to bring this up because I think this is a relevant point. So I want to thank you for listening. I am John Kane, and this is Let's Talk Native. Yahweh.